0: I want you to listen to two words as I speak them. Think about the emotion of these two words. I'm pregnant. Those words are sometimes spoken with excitement and jubilation. I'm pregnant. But sometimes they're spoken with fear and dread and panic. I'm pregnant. You see, motherhood doesn't only come to those who desire it and those who seek it. Sometimes it comes to those who least expect it and also those who least want it. Motherhood isn't always ideal. And on this Mother's Day, I want us to visit a lady in the Bible who experienced just that. Motherhood That wasn't quite ideal Now, when you think of mothers in the Bible I'm sure that several names come to your mind If you have read God's word at all You may think of Eve, the mother of all living You may think of Sarah You may think of our subject for Sunday school this morning You may think of Hannah and little Samuel You might think of Mary, uh, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ And usually those are the ladies that get the attention When it comes to motherhood in the Bible, but not today. Now, to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon concerning motherhood from this lady's life. In fact, I don't know if I've ever ever heard a sermon on her life because she's often overshadowed by her husband's. I'm calling today's sermon an unlikely candidate for mother of the year an unlikely candidate for mother of the year. You're probably saying, well, who are you talking about, preacher? Well, I'm talking about a lady named Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Now, often when you think about Bathsheba, her life is usually overshadowed by her husband, Uriah, or her second husband and more well-known husband, King David. But today I want to tell Bathsheba's story. I think it's time. And as I studied God's word and what he had to say about her, I decided that four words summarize Bathsheba's life. Now, I'll be honest with you. We've got to look at several passages to get the entire picture. So I want you to find in your Bible, please, 2 Samuel, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 11. And we'll be in Second Samuel, we'll also be in the book of Kings, which is the next book. But I want you to follow along to get the full picture of Bathsheba's life. Now, four words we're going to focus on. The first two words are tragic. I'll just go ahead and tell you, they're tragic. The last two words are magnificent. So if you get down in the first part of the message, hopefully you'll get lifted up in the second part of the message. But we're going to look at the whole story because the Bible is an awesome book. And the Bible, when it paints a picture of someone, it puts the picture in their warts and all. And so we're going to look today at Bathsheba, an unlikely candidate for mother of the year. Bathsheba. And our first word that we're going to focus on is the word... Lust, lust That's where we begin the story Lust And we're introduced to Bathsheba Because of King David's lust Hopefully you found 2 Samuel chapter 11 Begin reading at verse number 1 2 Samuel 11, 1 It happened in the spring of the year At the time when kings go out to battle That David sent Joab and his servants with him And all Israel And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. It's interesting, I looked at it in the Holman Christian Standard Version And 2 Samuel eleven five 5 is translated this way The woman conceived and sent word to inform David I am pregnant There are those words, I am pregnant Spoken, I'm sure, not with excitement, not with jubilation But perhaps with panic and dread and fear And she says, I am pregnant Now, we cannot be sure but it does not appear that Bathsheba was completely innocent in what took place that night long ago in this matter of adultery. It appears that's more here than just a king using his power to commit royal rape. One wonders if lonely Bathsheba perhaps was making herself available and known and perhaps even hope for a sensuous rendezvous with the king. She's gorgeous. The Bible says that she's very beautiful to behold. She was beautiful. She's lonely. Her husband's away fighting on the battlefield, as we find out as we continue reading in this chapter. And all of this ended with what was probably considered in today's terms as what we would call, sadly, a one night stand and It's over and they go back to normal life. She went home. David went back to doing what a king does. But then those words, I am pregnant. Now what? Well, if you've ever read the story, you remember that they're scheming and plotting by David to cover his tracks and to cover his sin, which eventually led to the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, which leads us to the second tragic word. And that is this loss removed so from loss to loss it's not enough that she lost her purity now she has lost her husband. We're in the same chapter 2 Samuel 11 down to verse 26 now. the Bible says when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. Now how much if any, Uh, Did Bathsheba know about the circumstances concerning Uriah's death? You know, David arranged the death of Uriah, put him in the front of the battle, withdraw from him, let him get killed in battle. And we don't know how much Bathsheba knew about that, if she knew anything about that. We're not told, but she mourns the death of her husband, a man of valor, a mighty man. But when that mourning time is over, it's time for a wedding. A wedding. And David and Bathsheba are married. Uh, Same chapter, the very last verse, verse 27. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Talk about a way to begin a marriage and motherhood. You move from adultery, then you have murder, and then a wedding. We believe a year passed between chapter 11 and chapter 12. So we think about a year went by and God sends his prophet Nathan to David and he sends him to David to bring to light David's sin. David had tried to cover his sin and we find out from other places of the Bible that David was literally miserable and he was just carrying on trying to cover up his sin. But God had given enough time there and it's time to send Nathan in. And in the midst of the announced consequences for David's sin, very serious consequences, we see the marvelous grace of God. Now, you're in 2 Samuel 12 now, and you'll drop down to verse 13. And here's what it said in 2 Samuel 12:13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, why in the world would... Nathan say that what was there even a danger of him dying? Well, Leviticus twenty ten says this, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife. Well, that pretty much sums it up concerning David and Bathsheba, doesn't it? The adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So literally David and Bathsheba could have been put to death. Because of this, but because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, Nathan says, listen, God has put away your sin. You shall not die. So David is spared. Bathsheba is spared. But look at the next verse, verse 14 of 2 Samuel 12. However. However, because by this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also who is born to you shall surely die. There's that word again, loss. Bathsheba lost her husband, Uriah. And now she was going to lose her child, her first child. If you continue reading, you find that Nathan departs. Verse 15 says, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it became ill David pleads before the Lord that the child would not die. And we come back down. And it says in verse 22, and he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me and the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. The child dies. You see, Bathsheba's life was never the same after that evening with David, her husband is dead. Her little baby is dead. I'm sure in a crowd this size, there are mothers who have lost a child. No one else can understand the hurt that that brings. But Bathsheba understood it. She understood what it was to bury a child. You see, that lust led to loss. Sin has consequences. But I told you there are two magnificent words left in Bathsheba's story. The third word that I believe summarizes Bathsheba's life. It's a wonderful word. Love. Love. Though it's not stated, I believe we see it several times in Scripture, beginning with the very next verse, verse 24. Now, remember what's happened here. The baby's dead. Now look at verse 24. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in to her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name uh, Jediah because of the Lord. Now, we obviously have the love of God here. God, in his love, had forgiven them, put away their sins, and also blessed them with a the second child whom we know as Solomon. But, but Nathan said, call him uh, Jedediah." It means beloved of Jehovah. Now, here we have God's love. It's not enough that he put away their sin and spared them. He says, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a second child. You're going to call him Solomon. I'm going to call him a name which means beloved of Jehovah. I love him. We have God's love. But I think we also have Bathsheba's love for David and David's love for Bathsheba. Why? Because I read in verse 24, then David comforted Bathsheba's wife and went into her and lay with her. And beloved, I don't think that would have happened If there was not love between David and Bathsheba. Now we know from the scripture Bathsheba also had other children by David. And it's obvious that Bathsheba loved her child Solomon. You could imagine she just lost one baby. Here's a second baby. I can imagine her even being a very protective mother. Can't you? And she has other children as well. Now we're going to fast forward in their lives. They couldn't do this, but we can. We can push the fast-forward button. We're going to 1 Kings now. So you're in 2 Samuel. we we'll go to the very next book, 1 Kings chapter 1. As you think about love and Bathsheba's love. In 1 Kings chapter 1, David's very old now. He's advanced in years. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? I'm advanced in years. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. It says, now King David was old, advanced in years. And they put covers on him and he could not get warm. Drop down to verse 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Then drop down to verse 10. But he, that is Adonijah, did not invite Nathan the prophet... Benaiah, the mighty man, or Solomon, his brother. So you see who Adonijah is? He's a brother of Solomon, a son of David. Verse 11. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, has become king and David, our Lord, does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Now, this was not Bathsheba's direct son. This was the son of David and Haggith. OK, verse 13. Go immediately to King David and say to him, did you not, my Lord, O king, swear to your maidservant saying? Now, here's something we didn't know before. Did you not? This is Bathsheba speaking to King David. Verse 13. Did you not? My lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Then while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now, the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. And Bathsheba, verse 16, bowed and did homage to the king, Then the king said, what is your wish? Verse 17. Then she said to him, my Lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant saying, assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonai just become king. And now, my Lord, the king, you do not know about it. He sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that, that, that you should tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. Otherwise, it will happen. Verse 21. When my lord, the king, rests with his fathers, when you die... That I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. And just then, while she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. And so we go down with this visit there. And we drop down. Verse 27. Has this thing been done by my lord the king? You've not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Then King David answered and said, look at verse 28. Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king and the king took an oath and said, as the Lord lives, who's redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying assuredly, Solomon, your son shall be king after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. Then Bathsheba, verse 31, bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, let my Lord King David live forever. Here's a mother that went to bat for her son. She didn't sit back idly and say, well, it didn't work out the way we thought. Adonijah is going to be king, and I guess Solomon and I will be offenders, will be jailed or killed. She said, wait a minute. She says, David, you swore to me Solomon was going to be the next one on the throne. And we find that David said, yes, he will be. Then we go to chapter two. We're fast forwarding a little bit more. David's dead now. Chapter 2, 1 Kings. David's dead according to verse 10. It says, David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And we find Adonijah on the scene again. And Adonijah is not the king, but he comes speaking to Bathsheba. And as I read this, I want you to focus on how Solomon treated his mother. OK, that's the focus. First Kings two we will begin reading at verse 13. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggath came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. She said, say it. Then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine. And all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now, now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you. You see, Adonai is pretty slick, isn't he? You're his mother, you go in and ask this That he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, his wife Now, we last saw Abishag right back when David was very old And and she's trying to warm him up That's just the way it is Verse 18 So Bathsheba said, very well I'll speak for you to the king 19, now I want you to know this Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon To speak to him for Adonijah Now notice how Solomon responds and the king rose up to meet her, and bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne, and had a throne set for the king's mother, so she sat at his right hand. Now, now how many of your kids act that way, moms? Do you see? Do you see the respect? Do you see the love? That Solomon had for his mother, he arose, he bowed himself, he showed honor. Have a throne brought in. You sit at my right hand, the place of honor. You keep reading this story, and we're not going to get into all the, the ins and outs of Adonijah, but it says in verse 20, Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me, the king said, her, ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother. For him and for Abathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord saying, May God do so to me and more also that Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father and established me a house for me, Adonijah shall be put to death today. See so you the end of Adonijah. To say the least. Now you see the love. That Bathsheba and her son Solomon shared. In fact. If you go a little bit further in the Old Testament. Find Psalms. Then go one more book. Proverbs chapter 1. If we think about. Solomon. And his mom. Bathsheba. An unlikely candidate. We said at the beginning. For mother of the year. Not, not the first choice. To come to your mind. But we're seeing that she was a mom. Indeed. And. She was a, a great mom. Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. The Bible says in Proverbs 1.1, 1, 1, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So we know who's writing at this point in, in Proverbs. It, it's Solomon. This is, this is Bathsheba's son. Now, drop down to verse number 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. No, notice the next part. And do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. In other words, listen to the instruction of your mother and father that you might be blessed. I know Bathsheba it's pretty awesome. You think about Bathsheba's life. You move from lust to loss to love. But there's one more. And I told you these last two are magnificent. Because I think the fourth word that describes Bathsheba's life is the word legacy. And to get this one, we've got to go to the New Testament now. The book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. As we trace her life and as we see God at work in her life. Let's go to the New Testament. I'm going to show you something simply amazing. In Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Beginning at verse 1. This is awesome. Matthew 1.1. The Bible says in Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now watch this. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David, the king, begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Do you see what you just read there? Bathsheba is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the awesome grace of our God. When you look back to how things started with David and Bathsheba, and then you see the grace and mercy of God, that here she is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what John Kirsten said about David and Bathsheba. Would you listen? He said, the Lord could have said, I'm not going to honor your relationship with Bathsheba. You've blown it, and nothing good's going to come out of that. But our God is the God of the second chance. Our God is the God who exchanges beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Our God turns that which is hurtful into something beautiful. He says, Take hope, dear friend. There's hope. Confess your sin. Turn to the Lord. He can turn a dark night to a bright morning if you'll simply come to Him. Listen, maybe you're here today, and you, if you're honest, say, listen, I've blown it. I've blown it. My life is a mess. You might be a mother, you might be a father, you might be married, you might be unmarried, single, whatever. But you just say, listen, if I were honest today, I've blown it. My life's a mess. Won't you bring that mess to Jesus. Once you bring it there, bring your sin, bring your shortcomings, bring your failure, failures, bring it all to Him. Allow Him to take them and exchange for beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. And yes, there are consequences for sin, but God is the God of the second chance. He can redeem your life and bring about your good and His glory. And He wants to do that. But first of all, you must humble yourself. David said, listen, I have sinned. I don't read in the Bible, but obviously looking at their lives, I think some point Bathsheba too came to the Lord. And obviously, as they received forgiveness, you've got to humble yourself and come to him. First of all, you need to know him as Savior. Realize the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of all of us have blown it. All of us have messed up. There's none righteous, no good. There's none of us that are worthy. But we come in repentance and humility. We bring that sin and those things and we give them to Jesus. And he washes us with his blood and makes us pure and clean. Makes the child of God. Is he your savior today? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've turned from your sin to Jesus? If not, why not today? You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Listen, look what Bathsheba did. Look what David and Bathsheba did. And yet God forgave. God redeemed. Come to Jesus today. And then you say, well, preacher, I know Jesus. He's my Savior. But, but I have I've drifted from my fellowship with Him. I've allowed some things in my life that ought not to be there. There are some things that do not please him. Well, friend, may I say to you today, would you confess your sin and return to him in fellowship? First, John 1, 9 has wonderful news for all of us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if you're a believer here today and you've gotten in some things in your life or you've allowed some things in your life that are not right, you can confess those today. You can turn your back on those today and find that forgiveness and that Welcome back to fellowship with the Lord. You see, we have here in the Bible a mom named Bathsheba. And Bathsheba is an encouragement to all of us. She's a reminder to all of us that our God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of the second chance. And my prayer on this Mother's Day, on this Lord's Day, is that many here today. Would call out to him. And find that grace. And that mercy. And that second or third or fourth. Or ever how many chance? He's willing. He's eager. He's waiting to welcome you today. Would you come. To this great God. The God of grace. And mercy. Father. It is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence today. And I thank you for Bathsheba. And Lord, we know that they sinned, you forgave. We know their consequences, as we've seen today. But Lord, you and your blessings and grace, you just gave them a second chance. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your long suffering. Father, I pray today for anyone, maybe a mother, a father, maybe someone single, unmarried, college student, high school student, whoever may be here today, who's never met Jesus as Savior. I pray today, Father, as we close this service, they would step out and allow someone to take a Bible and show them how they can have eternal life and the forgiveness of their sins. And then, Father, I pray for Christians today who maybe have kind of drifted in their fellowship with you. I pray today, as we have this time of invitation, they would step out and come and kneel, confess those sins, forsake them, and leave here walking in harmony with you. Thank you, Lord, that when you paint the pictures in your word, you do paint them warts and all. You don't gloss over or coat over. You let us see these men and women as they were. Lord, you see us as we are. Though we could pretend and act and do all kinds of things to conceal ourselves from others. Our lives are an open book to thee. Yet you still love us. Thank you, God. I pray your blessings. I pray your help. I pray your grace. I pray that many will come today and find your grace, your mercy. In your love. And we pray this in the love of of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Our closing hymn. I must tell Jesus 455. As we sing the altars open today. If you need to be saved. If you need to come and pray. You to get some things right. Today's the day. We invite you to come. If you'd like someone to pray with you. Let me know as you come. I'll be standing right down at the front. we're going to stand and sing, I Must Tell Jesus, 4.55. Let's stand and sing.